0: I'm Claire Parker. And I'm Ashley Hamilton. And And this this is Celebrity Memoir Memoir Book Club. Club. Good morning, worms. I hope that you are wormed up, worm-geared. Hashtag worm nation. I did realize in the DMs that some people are not hyper-aware that as Celebrity Memoir Book Club heads, we are bookworms, a.k.a. worms, a.k.a. squirmy, dirt-eating worm monsters. And that's why the shirts say worm. Also, to catch you up, we have launched (laughs) T-shirts.
1: If you have not bought your T-shirt, we have two incredible shirts. I'm so excited. So we've got Worm. Let everybody know you're a little bookworm, squirmy worm, in long sleeve and short sleeve. And then we've also got, of course, the classic Unhinged. We've just got a shirt that just says Unhinged on the pocket for all of our fellow unhinged people who love to talk about other unhinged people. Baby, we're fucking crazy
0: and we're not afraid to show it.
1: Wear it on my sleeve. (laughs) The link
0: is in the show notes for this podcast. You can also find it in our our link tree on our social medias and get your shirts because they are limited edition. dish. Yeah, you guys are going to want to have them when we start doing live shows show
1: up. Who's your real OG worms
0: at? Oh God, I cannot wait to tour, you guys. We are trying to put some plans in place. We are going to go to some cities, but we're in hyper-planning mode, getting our plans together. We're going to put
1: together a little pocketbook with all of our details. We're lining up our worms, butt to face,
0: butt to face. And speaking of planning, we are getting our next few books in line for our summer sessions. And so if you have any requests for books that you really want us to cover, for books that the book club needs clubbing, uh, DM those to us. Ashley? Yeah, Claire?
1: What would the chapter of this week's memoir be?
0: I would call the chapter of my memoir this week, what's that Paris Hilton her,
1: like, new catchphrase, like, slivin'. Slivin'. I don't think that's going to catch on. I do feel like... <laughs> it does not sound good. It doesn't come off the tongue. It really sounds like something you and I would come up with, which is, like, a disgusting... What does it mean? Like, slimy living? No, I mean, it, I think it means, like, sexy living. Should I look it up? Yeah. Hold on. Okay, well, I got it from dictionary.com. Did she pay them off? Like, this isn't Urban Dictionary. It's regular regulardictionary.com. What does slivin' mean? Created by celebrity Paris Hilton, slivin' is the blend... Is a... Blend the slang is a... Blend the... What? That's not even right.
0: I don't think dictionary.com is a reputable source.
1: Slaying and living. So living your best life. You're sliving. Okay. So yes, sliving is the
0: chapter of my memoir this week. Oh my God. Good. We love to hear it. Just like a really fun week, bopping around, being vaccinated, seeing friends again. It was just a beautiful weekend in New York. I went to some thrift shops, bought a necklace, saw my friends. It was just a wonderful time, and I feel like I'm back-burnering dating again. I'm not taking a hiatus, not a sharp hiatus, but I've also stopped really giving a fuck. Well, you don't have to fill the time because you have,
1: like, priorities now.
0: Yeah, I think it's been really fun to not actually care at all what's going on.
1: Do you know what I mean? Oh, I know what you mean. I'm loving it. I'm slivin'. Slivin', baby. Claire, what would you chapter your memoir this week? We're back. I mean, Mm. similar to you, I also feel slivvy. (laughs) (laughs) I would say I'm more slimy living because I am biking everywhere now. So I do arrive to every party a little bit slimy. (laughs) You guys, we've
0: gotten city bike memberships and we're going to have the legs of the century. I'm living in a fifth floor walk up and biking everywhere. No one's going to recognize me. I have
1: to say, when you say legs of the century, for me personally, it's me like the 15th century. <laughs> I have the biggest bruise on the back of my calf. I have no idea where it came from, but I can only imagine I've started city biking and suddenly I have a bruise. I think they must be related. Well, you did get hit by that car the other day. Oh my God the cars in this city. Let me tell you, I'm They're so, so anti-car. Aggressive. I think cars have such
0: an ego. It's so embarrassing for them. It's like, just because you're metal, you think you're better than me. You're not. I also
1: just think it's humiliating to be driving a car in New York City. Like, was, like move to the suburbs, idiot. I had a car hit me. Yeah, he hit me. I had the right of way, but he technically had the lane. Um, <laughs> like, I swerved very slightly, and we did run into each other when I swerved into his area. But it was light. Nobody got hurt. But then he pulled over and screamed at me and <laughs> got out of his car. And I had to, like, book it. And I was like, sir, you cannot scream at me. Yes. I'm on a bike. I'm a pedestrian, practically. Practically. Either way, you're a person with just a skin suit. And he's a car with
0: a metal suit.
1: Exactly. Armor, armor takes paper. Because I'm paper paper thin
0: yeah I just think you have to be like sensitive to people's needs and when you're just like a person on a bike your needs
1: are to not be hit by a car <laughs> and then the next day I took the opportunity to cross a very small street and there was a car it didn't even come anywhere near me by the time it passed where I was I was fully safe on the other side but the guy stopped and screamed out his window I will hit you and I almost wanted to bike right back in front of him and say then fucking hit me bitch yeah fucking I, hit me you'll go you. to fucking prison you dumbass me Hit me, I dare you. But it's just like get out of your car and live your life in New York City. Use your two feet, use the subway, use a bike. Yeah, use literally anything. Use an Uber, use a cab. Like it's just like lame to well, be those driving around. Well, those are cars. <laughs> yeah, but it's not your car. Okay. I'm very anti-car.
0: I'm very anti-car. I don't think anyone should have cars. I'm not a good driver and I will fully admit that. And
1: in order to sort of work on that with myself, I just don't drive. And I think that's great. And I also think if we're in a city, we shouldn't be driving. We shouldn't be just like adding combined Carbon. Carbon to the air. Also, during COVID, they shut down some of the streets by me. And all you have to do to make your block a block party is just not let cars. Like, the presence of cars destroys all the fun. And when Mm -hmm. you remove the cars from your life... Literally just spontaneous festivals start popping up everywhere. And I want every car banished from New York. Maybe we have like seven avenues left. If there was no cars, all the public transportation would be better. We'd all be healthier because we'd be biking and walking. Like Parisians. Yeah, like Amsterdam or something. Or we'd all be using the public transportation. And we could because- all take up smoking and no
0: one would notice because we'd walk so much. We'd look so healthy. Yes.
1: How was my week? I guess my week was... Parisian. But it has been fun to be like, I was so sad during the pandemic. And at some point I forgot why I was sad. And now it's nice to know like, oh yeah, my life was fun. Like I was sad for a reason. And that's because I did have the most fun life and it was stolen from me right in its prime. Yeah, I
0: completely forgot. And also just like the anxiety of hanging out with people. Like even when I did have plans for the last couple of months, like when you would meet up with someone outside and then you would just like go home early because you were so cold and tired and just like depressed. You know, I just like remembering how many people I like talking to. Like I think I have a lot of friends. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot too. It's fun.
1: I forgot that you had friends. Me no, too. <laughs> Should we move on to a quick past love update?
0: Yes, oh, we need to talk about this, you guys. I just love when drama unfolds in real time. Here at Celebrity Memoir Book Club, we're historians. We read Absolutely. we read texts, we pull our information from primary sources. Primary sources, published works. We're not really up to date on the current events.
1: But I will say history repeats itself and there's a reason we have so many PhDs consulting with current people current affairs yeah and much like that we have been proven right i love when our predictions about people based on these books are proven absolutely right and so of course we're going to talk about none other than the alabama barker Shayna Mokler drama the yes. beef
0: the mother-daughter beef an update an addendum
1: to travis barker's memoir so not skinny but not fat posted a DM that Shayna Mokler sent somebody we're not really sure who it was meant for. My guess would be it was meant for not skinny, not fat. I feel like she's going straight to the sources, very low-level Kardashian style, and here's what she reported. I've tried. Nothing even happened. This whole thing is so weird. Matthew has been my rock. He truly has changed and has been amazing. When we went life trip other night, we were joking, but lots of inside jokes I don't think translated. So Matthew is her current boyfriend that her kids hate. I'm not really yeah. sure what life trip other night means, but... Maybe like a a live stream or something. Yeah, and I guess people didn't really get what they were talking about. I left Travis because he was emotionally abusive. I left the money in mansions for a reason. Family is all that matters, but I can't compete with kids whose father doesn't encourage relationships with their own mother and purposely tries to alienate them away. Travis controls Bama's social media. However, I get blamed for her sexploitation. However, I get blamed for her sexualization. Okay, the reason I'm struggling to read this word is because she did spell a non-word, (laughs) sexualization. (laughs) sexual Okay, she's trying. How does a father allow her to act like that and do lives at 4 a.m.? With men twice her age. I've been legally bullied out, and I'm fed up and I'm exhausted. Social media and the media isn't real. I divorced Travis because I caught him having an affair with Kim. Now he's in love with her sister. It's all gross, and I'm not the bad guy.
0: Okay. A lot
1: to unpack there. There
0: is a lot to unpack there. A lot to say. Okay, let's start at the back and work our way forward. An affair with Kim... He wrote in his book that he dated Kim.
1: And he wrote in his book that he dated Kim after After, dating Paris. Yeah. And I also think they both were cheated. I just, like, don't think that that's why she broke up with him. I think that the fidelity was, like, issue number eight. And I do believe he was cheating on her heavily, but I don't think that that was, like,
0: the problem. He was also a huge drug addict. He was also a huge drug addict at the time. Okay, now let's go to the front. (laughs) I wanted to talk about
1: the way that she says family is everything. Family is all that matters, but I can't compete with kids whose father doesn't encourage relationships with their own mother and purposely tries to alienate them away. Right. So when he met her, she had a family already that she had just kind of
0: like left to the wind.
1: And I will also say I do believe that she claims that she has been legally bullied out. And I do think it is hard to compete with money in the child protective services or whatever But then how come your other child from a different relationship is always with Travis and not you? There's no way he could have a legal claim to. Atiana. Atiana, who's the child that Shayna had with Oscar De La Hoya. Yeah. Who she also never took care of when Travis met her.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. Is like when they met, she already had a child that she was like
1: not really spending time with. Who still hangs out with Travis and not Shayna.
0: Yes. And that has to be of her own choice. It has to be of her own choice. Like there's no way Travis has like a legal claim to a child that is not his in any way and has like two living and local parents.
1: I do want to give her credit though. I do believe Travis, if he is the primary parent of Alabama. Yeah, maybe she shouldn't be live streaming at
0: 4am when she's with 15 years old. I do
1: believe that somebody needs to come in and tell that girl it's not great to sexualize yourself this much when you're underage because there are creepy people out there. Totally. I do think he is not in control of that. I do believe that he does not put a bedtime in place for those children and that that is not really healthy. When she says Travis was emotionally abusive, I believe they just had a horrible relationship where they were both just drug addicts argued a lot. I feel like it was just a bad relationship and both of them were like bad in the relationship and they should not have been together, but then they had a baby. So here's where it gets even more interesting. Alabama Luella Barker reposts this and quotes, Everybody thinks my mother is amazing. I don't know that anyone thinks that. I don't know that anybody has ever said that about your mother. (sighs) Matthew is nothing but awful to her. Not only that, but he cheats on her. I would say cheating on somebody is being awful to them, but I also believe that he's awful to her in other ways. They do seem to hate him. Yeah. My mom has never completely been in my life. I know that that's true because I read the book and then I watched the TV show where all she did was sleep. And I just say, when we talked about that TV show on our TikTok all of the people who had grown up on that show was like, that bitch never got out of bed. Like it is like common knowledge. And this was when she was filming a reality show. And it's so funny because I know Travis's problem with her partly was that he said she was acting different for the cameras and she was like provoking things to get storylines. And it is just so funny that all of this effort she put into creating good drama for the TV, the one line she would not cross is getting out of bed. (laughs) She's like, listen, I'll destroy my marriage right from the comforter. (laughs) Oh my God. And also the fact
0: that, His other issue with her is that she, like, didn't seem motivated or or career-oriented in any way. And, like, she would always blame him for things not going well. And it's like, I don't know, man. You, like, literally could not
1: not sleep to have your home moved. I just don't believe you're showing up at a single meeting. I do believe she, like, was a drug addict and alcoholic. She goes, my mom has never completely been my life. Can you guys stop painting her out to be an amazing mom? I don't think anybody's ever painted it out. But then here's where I do take umbrage with little Alabama. Did your moms ask to see you on Mother's Day? Because mine didn't. I'm done keeping it a secret. Reality shows. It's funny that she says X there was a reality show that did not keep it a secret. I don't think (laughs) this is a secret at all. There was literally a book published. It's just... Reality did show. This was never a secret. You guys just weren't that interesting until your dad started dating the Kardashians. Here's what I want to say about her. Did your mom's ask to see you on Mother's Day? Because mine didn't. I will say my mom would never ask to see me on Mother's Day. If I didn't plan something, I would be in trouble. Is that fair? Like, I don't think Mother's Day is about your mom planning her own day. The whole point is that you're supposed to be like, hey, mom. Mm, I don't... Okay, here's the thing. Is she's also... I think still like 15. At, at 15, point. if you have divorced parents, you can call your mom and say, do you want to go to brunch? You can make a reservation at 15. If she can run social media and do lives at 4 a.m., you can think to call your mom and some, something up for Mother's The way Mother's that day. this read to me is that she and her mom just like basically don't talk. That's like saying, did your dad call you on his birthday? Because my dad didn't even call me on his birthday. And yeah. it's like, well, yeah, you're supposed to reach out. When it's a day celebrating somebody, it's on you to reach out. That's true. But
0: it does seem like neither of them make an effort to see each other ever. That's how it read to me.
1: I will say if it had been Alabama's birthday and her mom hadn't called it would have and like that's fucked up. I do not think it is the mother's job on mother's day to organize her own event. I agree with that. So I think that that was a bad example. I think that, that was I, a choose, bad I could also see how Shayna would be hurt in that situation where she's like, it's mother's day and my daughter didn't even make an effort to see me. Yeah, totally. I do believe that overall they are pretty estranged from each other but I will say this is a horrible example. I guess
0: I think that they have like an awkward relationship. Like I think that they have like an uncomfortable...
1: But I think overall, I feel worse for Alabama than I do for Shayna. Oh, 100%. I don't think Shayna had ever even cared to have a close relationship with her daughter until it became public. Yeah,
0: I don't think that she has literally ever noticed that she doesn't have a close relationship with her kids. I think she's like, I birthed these kids and now they're my kids. Where are they? Who knows? They're alive. Baby deers just walk out
1: of their mom and they walk away. (laughs) How come I have to deal with this for 18 fucking years? I do think she sees them just as like ways to get your talons in somebody.
0: Yeah. Anyway, this week we are on part two of Gabrielle Union and we have an incredible guest. And do you know what we forgot to talk about last time? Which was like a fun little topic that... I don't think we mentioned, is the prenup that Gabrielle Union and Dwayne
1: Wade set up. She had like a fun little
0: chapter she had a on very that. honest
1: chapter, I thought, which is, I'm obsessed with like financial transparency. Mm-hmm. And so the chapter was literally called Big Bank Takes Little Bank. And it was about how in her old relationship, she had more money. So at the end of the day, it was really her say every time. And this time, Dwayne has a lot more money. So at even if they're building a house together, she's like, yeah, but he's building it with his money and he can ask me all he wants about my cabinet preference. But at the end of the day, they're his cabinet. So his, what he says goes.
0: Yeah. And I did find that very honest. Cause I do think that in a relationship with like a significant financial imbalance, like there is just an imbalance. Like yeah. even if you love and respect each other more than anything,
1: There is just this weird... It's all good when it's good, but then when it's not good, suddenly that was my money. Yeah. And that's the problem is you never know when it's not going to be good. And like when it's bad, that's when you need the balance the most. And I also think that she had like a hyper-awareness
0: of the imbalance because of how imbalanced her last relationship was. Her and Dwayne's relationship would never get as ugly as that because at the end of the day, she does still have enough money to support herself and her entire family. At the end of the day, she isn't just a hanger on
1: in the way that her ex was. But at the same time, when we talk about the cabinets in the new house, they get a divorce. I mean, that's, that's, that's Dwayne's his house. house. <laughs> yeah. She does not get to keep looking at those cabinets for the rest of her life. She will say goodbye, so he better like them too. Totally. Yeah, I do think it was like really interesting
0: the way she talks about that relationship and like the work that they do do you know what I think that there's like two celebrity camps I feel like there are celebrities who act like everything is perfect and then celebrities who are so obsessed with proving that everything isn't perfect that everything is like a fucking mess and I'm just like I don't know I guess divorce what couple would you say Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell are obsessed with showing people that their marriage isn't perfect and they like argue on his podcast all the time and they'll like do these things where I'm like I don't know. Do you guys like each other? They're always like, listen, we fight all the time. We fight every day. We fight seven times a day. Everyone Mm -hmm. thinks we're perfect, but look at us. We're not perfect.
1: If I could hit him with my car and get away with it, I fucking would. And I'm like, I don't know, man. (laughs) There's this couple on TikTok who just divorced, and her name is Kat Stadler or whatever. Sickler. Sickler. And people were like, I didn't see this coming. You guys seemed so cute. But she had just done an entire series about all the things she hates about her husband. And it was like a weekly series. And I was just like, I don't know, guys. There were signs.
0: There were things that she did not like about him. And she
1: was excited to tell you.
0: But yeah, I do feel like there are people who are like obsessed with proving that like not everything is sunshine and rainbows. But in a way where you're like, There might not be that many rainbows.
1: They're like, we're so normal. We're just like you. We don't sleep in the same room ever. And you're like, I actually don't know if that's normal. We're just
0: like every other couple out there. We only speak through a mediator and we have our children deliver messages back and forth if the mediator is on vacation.
1: We're a healthy, functioning couple just like you guys. But
0: anyway, so the fact that she writes about how they have these hiccups, but at the end of the day, like they are just so frigging in love. Yeah. I think that that's really nice. He played real hardball with their prenup. And she said, which is why when I make him my man crush Monday on Instagram, I say, as per the prenup, my forever man crush Monday. Something that
1: she actually said that I thought was very interesting was she's like, look, a lot of people think I could just stop working because financially, but she's like, I have a lot of people I support. Yeah. Like I am not the breadwinner for my household, but I am the breadwinner for like six other households that rely on me. And I understand that feeling of being like, I'm not going to ask my husband to support my cousin. Like, that's not his job. He signed up for me, not necessarily like three levels of extended family. Totally. Especially when he has two other ex-wives he has to take care of. Like, he's got his own extended family he's worried about. And she has to keep making money for those people. And she's like, you never know when it could end. And I think she has a lot of pride about being a woman who is successful. And this idea that just because she happened to marry somebody even more successful doesn't mean she's Mm -hmm. going to eliminate herself. Like, she went into the... Prenup, saying that she didn't want to ask for anything, mm-hmm. and then his lawyers kept being like, "Come on, come on, come on, just put out a number, just start with a number, and we'll just say." And she's like, "I don't need anything." And they were like, "Well, just if you wanted something, what would you say?" And she say, "She goes, okay, fine, I feel like I'm worth X." And they came back and we go, "We don't think that. <laughs> <laughs> we think you're worth one nineteenth of X." And she was just like, "You said name a number," and then it's interesting how like you could enter a situation and be like, "I don't want anything from the prenup," but then when somebody actually puts a value on you and says, "This is what you're worth as a wife,"
0: yeah, then it's like, okay, no. <laughs> anyway, should we get into the episode? I'm so excited. You guys, we have an incredible guest. We met her through
1: TikTok. She is going to be the pop culture savant everywhere in America. She's already partnered with Netflix. Her Instagram and TikTok, the afternoon special, is so informative. Give it up for Bobby Miller. Baby, just ask me. welcome bobby miller thank you so much for being here oh, i'm so happy to be here guys i'm so it's excited so nice to meet
0: you off tiktok in real life over zoom yeah
2: <laughs> it's still like we're so close but so far apart but i'm just uh, i've been looking forward to this all week so i'm so excited
1: so what did you think about gabrielle union before the book what did you come in knowing about her or feeling
2: Well, um, I am, I feel like the world's biggest Bring It On fan, like, can quote it from beginning to literally the credits. (laughs) Um, So I already loved her, but I had heard, like, that she was, like, kind of like a meme girl in a way, like, in Hollywood. Um, And she's since, like, definitely just kind of, like, had, like, a renaissance moment. And so I loved that for her, but I remembered kind of that. And I was like, "Mm, I don't really know about Gabrielle. Like she seems nice on screen, but I don't know how she is behind the
0: screen. Yeah. So how did that change with the book, especially considering that she has a chapter kind of copping to being a mean girl? Reading her book felt like she was like my
2: big sister or something. Like she was so candid with all of her stories. The tampon story, like her her first marriage, like everything literally top to bottom. It just felt like we were friends already. And so now my, I mean, not that anyone cares how I feel about Mm Carrie, no union, but like- We do,
1: we um, do we care. (laughs) Well,
2: if you must know, now I'm like, I'm a huge fan. Like I'm a fan, not just of her work, but of like the woman herself and just how like, like she's strong as hell. Like it's insane. And she shouldn't have had to go through the things that she did go through, but to come out on the other side and be- the woman that we see today is like, ugh, it's incredible.
1: I think we felt the exact same way. I like, I mostly knew her from Bring It On and then I read the book and I was like, I believe every word. Normally we read (laughs) these celebrity memoirs and after every sentence we're like, "Mm, is that really but this one, I was like, if she said she went to Mars once, I'd be like, I believe you. You never lied to me. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like to have gone through what she went through, but
0: also to talk about it, because that's a whole other hurdle is a lot of the things that she's been through. I hate to say this aren't unique, but it is yeah. unique to be talking about them. I mean, just having the chapter about her period and like the tampons, it's like most women get their periods and have like a weird situation, trying tampons for the first time. But reading about that from a perspective where you're like, Oh my fucking God. Yes. Is
1: really rare. Yeah, it it really is. Or even just the more embarrassing vulnerable parts, which I felt like with her marriage, her first marriage, which I mean, that was not a cute look for her or him. She didn't look like she was being treated well. She wasn't treating people well. And then also the chap about working on a prenup with Dwayne Wade where she basically had to come forth and be like, we almost didn't get married because he drove such a hard bargain and was like questioning what I was worth. And I don't think anybody, especially a successful actress, wants to come forth and be like, I had to like go back and forth with my husband that I love more than anything, but we had to put a legit dollar number to what my value as a wife is. And it almost broke us. Oh, what is your guys' stance
0: on prenups? I'm just curious about it. <laughs> I I feel
2: like they are they can be a good thing, especially if both parties are coming in with like, I feel like I'm talking like a business major or something. Mm -hmm. Like if both parties (laughs) are coming in with like pretty like sizable assets, like it just is going to protect you. Should it not work out? Like love is love. We love that. Like, but I don't want to be like screwed in case this goes left,
1: you know? I also feel like when people get butthurt about it. And they're like, I feel like you're planning for failure. I'm like, well, the alternative is you don't fail. And it doesn't matter. First of all, I don't think divorce is failure. Personally, I don't understand that. I'm like, if it doesn't serve you, who gives a shit, get out. But it is like, okay, if you don't want the prenup to come into play, like if you really are happy forever, the prenup never comes up. It's not like, oh, 20 years into a perfect marriage with three kids. And suddenly we're like nickel and diming each other. It's like, if you really believe that the marriage is going to work, then sign over whatever you want on the prenup because you don't think you'll need it. I guess Dwayne Wade is so successful. I'm like not a basketball expert, but I guess he's pretty he's pretty loaded, right? He's (laughs) pretty big. He has a lot of
0: money. (laughs) (laughs) I I just think that he has an amount of money that is dumb. Should I Google it? What are people online saying? I feel like celebrity net worth is always like full of shit. I don't trust that website for a second.
1: I don't either, but... They are saying 170 million dollars. That feels low for him. Yeah, it's so hard because you don't know what investments they're making. You don't know what properties they own. You've got salaries, and then you've got sometimes for big celebrities, I'm like this is low. And then sometimes I'll see a comedian I know who I just watched like eat pizza off the ground, but because they had a special one time, celebrity net worth is like they're worth 12 million dollars. And I'm like, okay, then why didn't I just loan them five? Like, <laughs> they should at least have that come on now <laughs> celebrity net worth is really just throwing darts at a board and picking names at random
2: <laughs> that's exactly what it feels
1: um the other thing that i do trust her about i want to hear your opinion so i'm like a celebrity plastic surgery truther i've been onto the fillers game since i think before anybody else i think it was just me and the celebrities who knew about cheek filler but i was like every time they look like they just woke up and drank a lot of water i'm like that's filler that's like the under eye socket so When she said she's never gotten work done, including Botox or filler, I believe her. I put it out into Instagram. I got some pushback that they think she's lying. Do you believe her? I, first of all, she's so stunning that
2: even if she was lying, I would like cover for her. I would be like, Abigail, like be honest with me. And then she was like, no, really. I'll be like, okay. Like we're running with the story. I I don't feel like she's lying. Like I don't think she is either. She's naturally just kind of like had a lot of like volume in this general area so that's why i feel like she very well could have like not gotten work at least like up here she's like fine
1: i believe it i've been looking at photos and i just did uh i did a carousel of her every two years from 2001 up to 2021 and you can see she's just like looks exactly the same and she's stunning. and i think finally now that she's like a mom she seems a little bit more tired (sighs) but i do believe her I believe yeah, right. I will say that I even if she has gotten
0: fillers and even if she is lying about it, my typical stance is that I don't like when people lie about it. I wish they would just be honest because... I feel like people then compare themselves to an unrealistic beauty standard, but she's already such an unrealistic beauty stand. Like, she's just so (laughs) stunningly beautiful that, like, I I do feel like there are some celebrities where I'm like, I don't know. I do think I could look kind of close to this if I just, like, spent a lot of money. But with people like her, I'm just like, I don't know. Whatever you're doing, it's I'm still not even going to be in the league of whatever. So just... I don't really give a shit. What you're- <laughs> like Chloe Kardashian, I'm just like, oh, I don't know. I guess if I got the same work done, then we would be the same level of hot probably. Yeah, <laughs> but like with Gabrielle Union, day. I'm like, oh, no, if you and I got the same work done, you would still be the most beautiful woman alive. And I would still be me with a little bit of work done.
2: <laughs> so just two different types. It's like two different. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay, so you are a pop culture expert. If anybody is not following Bobby already, she is the afternoon special on TikTok and on Instagram. And she does, I would call almost the anti who's with tabs, pop culture expert and that she has done research and she does know facts. So (laughs) if you're looking to learn something, she's actually a resource that you can count on. We are very excited to ask your opinion, because not only are you a pop culture expert, but you are technically Gen Z, true?
2: I'm like Gen Z millennial cusp. I was born in 98,
1: so 98. Like, I... Okay, I think that's Gen Z. Yeah. <laughs> for um. <laughs> purposes, <laughs> we build you as a Gen Z, the, the speaker of everybody Gen Z. So I hope you're ready to put the whole generation on your back.
0: <laughs> Before we get to pop culture in general, though, I'm so curious. You said you're like a bring it on Stan. What was your experience seeing that movie for the first time? How old were you? Do you like remember your fandom for that movie
2: i okay so i know i didn't see it in the theaters because i think it came out in 2000 so i was two um (laughs) but i think i saw it because i was a cheerleader in middle school and like when i became a cheerleader someone recommended they were like oh have you seen bring it on i was like what is that and so i found it i got the movie i watched it loved it first of all setting like the stage not a good cheerleader at all (laughs) like was not good but because of that movie like I was and I ended up being a cheerleader for like six years when I really could have like quit it like one um so it means a lot to me and now like as the the conversation of like teen like rom-coms and teen comedies like continues to like crop up every couple of years I'm like um why are we not talking about bring it on like iconic line after iconic line like Everyone in that movie is hot for no reason. Um, It's just, it's such a good movie. Like, in like the movies afterwards, other than the salon bring it on, are like, eh. But that movie is just so like classic. I love it so much.
0: Oh, I was going to say that I feel like the ones after it are very camp and have been classified as camp. But for some reason the original Bring It On gets sort of pushed into that category as well. But I think it might be just like a genuinely great film. Like, I have a lot of thoughts about rom-coms and teen movies being pushed aside for, like, I don't know what's his name Robert De Niro dramas you know what i mean like those are the good movies that's like if if those are films and teen girl movies are just like flicks and i think bring it on is like a great movie it really the original is.
2: like it i think people forget the entire like subplot of cultural appropriation runs rampant in that movie and that was in again in 2000 like and we're having these conversations 20 years later
0: It's insane. And people are still not getting it twenty years (laughs) later. And it's like, watch, bring it on. (laughs) How surprised were you, or did you already know this, the role that Gabrielle Union had in sort of like reshaping her character in that movie?
2: Yeah, that was that was really surprising to me, only because like Isis, like, the character that she plays in the movie Isis is so... She's so strong-willed. She's so smart and, like...
0: She's so composed.
2: Yes. Like, if literally with anyone else... And you can see that with, like, Isis, like, her teammates, that they're ready to, like, fight mm-hmm. <laughs> the Toros yeah. over, like, them stealing. But she is very calculated and she's like, no, like, how we win this is in, in the competition and what mm-hmm. matters in this little, like, world. And so I can definitely see how like she Gabrielle like had a, a really big impact on that because I'm sure that they want to immediately like stereotype ISIS is like no we're gonna fight you and blah blah blah, blah and like make her yeah. character something that it really like shouldn't have been if they want
1: the for the people listening just to fill you guys in Gabrielle has a whole chapter in her book about how when she got the script for bring it on her character Isis was kind of like a stereotype to the point where they even had a word that they had taken from like a black comic special and they had just written it out verbatim thinking it was like slang. And it turned out it was just like a specific sound. This guy, it was like, and they had tried to spell it out. And they were just like, who says this? And she would go over it with the director every day and rewrite the lines every morning to make Isis like a a well-rounded leader character and then that's why it was even more heartbreaking she talks about how fans will come up to her and one of the most famous lines from that movie is it's already been brought in and first of all not only is that not from the movie it's from the literal parody movie but also jamie presley yeah. says it so it's yeah, like it's not even her <laughs> yeah it's like the white girls are saying it and they still <laughs> apply it to gabrielle and i'm just like god there's the i mean that's that's it in a nutshell and she kind of throws Kristen Dunst under the bus, still a bus a little bit when she talks about one time bringing it up to Kristen, or Kirsten, sorry, Kirsten Dunst. And Kirsten's like, wait, that wasn't in the movie? I thought it was. And I was like, Kirsten, <laughs> sweetie. No,
2: girly pop, not it. It's not in the movie.
1: So speaking of rom-coms,
0: Gabrielle Union did have this incredible run of being in some of the greatest rom-coms, I don't, and teen movies of all time. I mean, she was in She's All That. She was obviously a main character in Bring It On. She had a pretty big supporting role in 10 Things I Hate About You. Do you want to do the line? I love that line. The part where she goes, um, like, I know you can be overwhelmed and I know you can be underwhelmed, but can you ever be whelmed? <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's really interesting that she was a member of all of these iconic movies. And as Claire was saying, you being a member of Gen Z, but also heavily influenced by these movies, I personally have had an observation that I don't think that rom-coms and teen movies are packing quite the same punch as they were in the past. But I also wonder if that's me just being like an old bitch Being like, no one does it as good as we did it in my day or whatever the fuck. But like, I watch these Netflix comedies. I feel like there have been one or two that really like kind of stand up. But I don't know that any of them will stand the test of time the way that these movies have. And I'm wondering if you have thoughts on the topic.
2: Oh, gosh, do I have (laughs) thoughts. Yes, I do. Um, I do think that it's kind of in a weird way. It's almost like the euphoria effect. But even though this has been happening like well before euphoria. But teen movies of like the late 90s, early 2000s were much more aspirational. So like teens will watch and be like, ah, this is what I want my life to be. And then you have shows like Euphoria and like, you know, like even a book, a movie like Smart, like it's much more relatable. So it's meet, trying to meet teens like kind of where they are. So I think that's definitely like your observation is exactly kind of where we are. I, I also question like, 10 years from now our team's gonna want to relate to this like are they gonna like cycle back to wanting to be more of like the aspirational type I have no idea you're you're spot on it's just like I don't know and they're much more like brooding now and like I'm so sad with yeah. the world and I, me as a former teen I'm like no fuck it like I don't want to see sad shit I want
1: a plot line where the biggest thing is, like, who's going to prom with who? Like, that's what I want. Yes. I just wonder if part of that is because as an adult, you can watch the teen years and glorify them. Because I feel like you tend to – I don't know if it's, like, pop culture came first or your experience came first. But I do feel like all of the fun high school party – I didn't even go to high school parties. I didn't even have a normal prom. But in my head, I'm like, ah, the good old days the high school parties and prom. I feel like as an adult, I'm not – that interested in the plight of a teenager because I know about rent and I know about jobs and I know that their like fourth period math class actually isn't the end of the world, whereas teenagers do think it is the end of the world. And so I wonder how those movies like play to an older audience versus the aspirational type of movie.
0: Like I get that they're good and I get what point they're trying to show about like teen angst or whatever, but they're not movies that I ever want to re-watch. Whereas like I could watch Clueless once a day every day for the rest of my life and be happy with that like I would love to do that
2: (laughs) literally and I even think like some of these movies could be like have that like longevity if they were aged up like only by a couple of years like if they took place in college we would they would probably be like much more like classic than in high school like everyone's on drugs or everyone's fucking and I'm like In high school, literally, I did after school activities and then I came home and then went to
0: school. (laughs)
1: Like, this is not my experience.
0: (laughs) I do feel like there is this thing that people think um, a rom-com or a teen movie is just like an easy script. Like, I think people think it's just like, oh, you just need like point A, point B, point C. Like, they think that they're going to, you know, like the weird girl falls in love with the jock and then the jock kind of slights them and then they end up happy, whatever, in the end. But I do think there's so much more to it. And in some of these older movies, like, you really, like, feel the layers to it. And also, you have these iconic lines. Like, they are well-written. And I think that there are a lot of people who will tell you that these movies, like, Legally Blonde and and Bring It On and, like, all of these movies are, like, shit. But when you go back and watch them, like, joke for joke you're like, oh, this is actually a brilliant movie. And I don't know that any of the newer movies have that same punch.
2: I would say like Booksmart is the closest to maybe what the the teen rom-coms of like 20 years ago were like, because it's just, it's so funny. But it's still, it doesn't have that element that you're talking about where it's like iconic lines. Like you could probably pull out a couple, but it's not, Mm -hmm. I guess they're not trying to make movies to where it's like, oh, this is just, iconic for everyone like they just want to really like relate to the teen and like that's the one goal of the entire thing and i don't know why like teens deserve iconic lines i think
1: what would you say are the of the last five ish years are the teen movies because we were coming up with i guess to all the boys i loved before we were saying maybe it's the move to netflix which has kind of watered them down
2: yeah i think like also and this is like me putting my pop culture hat on like a lot of what movie like the movie going experience, right, was marked by like going to a movie theater and like which would probably be in a mall, which is where teens hang out. Like it's it's the whole experience. Right. And so now that you've moved to streaming, which is much more like centralized in one location, it's not an experience anymore. It's just like a, oh, I just pop on Netflix and I'll watch a movie and then I'll probably forget about it the next day like you don't make it like a like when I was in high school it was like a happening to go to the mall and like okay like your mom's gonna pick us up and like we're gonna be here for like six hours um are you gonna wear a skirt I'm gonna wear a skirt and then like like it was it was a a whole like happening it was an event and now it's not that and so I think that's probably why you just don't like I don't know you don't
0: remember watching movies that you see nowadays anymore I also think it is social media that makes the movies so weird now because social media changes so quickly and every movie... Like, it's hard to make an authentic teen comedy without social media but by the time the movie comes out social media has changed completely and then you're like what the fuck is
1: going on in this movie (laughs) or even though I didn't incorporate like texting into a film I still feel like nobody really knows how to make it not lame to have like bubbles pop up on a screen like what are you gonna do have an entire film in Snapchat like that's not (laughs) you can't have every main character have the dog filter that's not good filming
2: it's I think that they put they're like ah, teens only care about their phones these days so obviously the movie has to be only about that and it's like yeah but also no like I I don't hang around with teens often these days um because that feels illegal but like yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) you know like I enjoy not being in jail but like from what I remember like yeah my phone was like a part of my my high school life and my college life and that would be how I would document things but beyond that there are no storylines in my life that were built around a phone or social media like it really is just something that's just been there
0: I also feel like they use the texting in such a weird and like lazy way where like all of a sudden you'll see like everyone's phone beeps and like a little message is like party tonight at this place and you're like Mm -hmm. who is sending these mass group texts throughout a whole high school I cannot fathom that that is real my one gripe with a lot
2: of teen movies because I'm like they treat high school like yeah maybe by your grade you might know a lot of people but you're still in your little pod Mm -hmm. of friends yeah and like I don't know I graduated with like a thousand people so there is no way in hell that like you could text to one big ass list and like everyone gets it or to the like same degree of like everyone likes each other enough to want to go to this one yeah. party. Like, no, it's not realistic.
0: I do feel like most high school parties that I went to were like 30 people because if you were too loud, then the n- cops would come. Yeah. Or like-, like you couldn't have these like blowouts where they would like take over a whole party and like some kids always end up in the pool. And I'm like, where is this? Like, what's happening? How are these kids in a pool? <laughs> That's why I love like movies like
2: Mean Girls because it is so not in my realm of what <laughs> high school was like for me. First of all, having their entire house like vacant enough to have this big party like you think I'm gonna have, first of all, be able to get my parents out of the house and I'm not with them for like
0: an extended period of time? Like, no. Yeah. Or if they did that, they made someone stay
1: with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like, I guess, in the 80s, there's a lot of latchkey kids. And so then they took their childhood experiences, which probably were true in the 70s and eighties, and then they're like, put them on children in the nineties and twenties, which was actually the generation of the helicopter parent. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I don't know anybody who was just <laughs> left at home at 15. <laughs> and that brings up a good point
2: though. Cause I feel like the people, of the people, like people who had these experiences in the seventies and eighties were writing those stories. And now like, that's probably why stories uh, like teen films now are much more relatable Like, parents are a lot more involved. Like, they're not just leaving for an extended period of time to let the child
1: have a rager or whatever. It's interesting to think about, like, the Project X kind of movie, which I would say was sort of the end of my personal teen years. And that sort of, like, the idea, the triangulation of Project X, the movie Eighth Grade, Mm -hmm. and then Euphoria, and sort of what those three teen experiences have in common, which is, like, Eighth Grade and Project X have this sort of pov you're living it this is the truth but obviously on opposite ends of the spectrum one girl is very lonely the other is having like the biggest banger of all time and you have euphoria which takes like the loneliness but then also the party but then glamorizes both of them uh-huh. but none of it is just fun like cartoonish cheer like the worst thing that could happen is we'd lose cheer camp Lilarity. yeah Ugh.
0: that's the thing is they're all trying to make a point now. I feel like with movies they saw this criticism of people being like this isn't realistic and they like took it to such a level of heart where it's like it actually doesn't have to be realistic. Like it has to be good and fun, but you don't have to like take every movie and like make it feel like you're in a teenager's life. I keep circling back to it because I love it so much. But BookSmart that I
2: feel like it addresses that. Like Their one goal is to, they were the nerds the entire life, like their entire lives. And they realized that like, oh, there were other people who were partying, but they're also getting into Harvard. We could have done both. Now is our opportunity to do both. That was the, like the main goal of the movie. And even though they had like, you know, side shit going on, like that was the biggest part. Mm -hmm. And I appreciated that. I'm like, I don't need to hear about how Molly is going to go save
1: the world or like Amy is going to go do like, I keep it simple. Like real simple. At the end of the day, nothing in high school is that big a deal. Maybe at home, you're dealing with something serious, but day to day, the life of a teenager, nothing really will affect you that bad in life. Your biggest problem is you feel like you have to miss out on parties. Like that is accurate. I do believe in high school, the biggest, the worst thing that can happen to you overall is that you feel like you didn't get to have lukewarm beers often enough. (laughs) Right. But when you're a teenager, your
0: brain is on hyperdrive emotionally. And so you feel like you have a lot of other problems. So if the movie studios listen to hormonal psycho teenagers, then they end up with stuff that sucks because they're like, Oh, we have to address the real teen problems. But like really at the end of the day, there's no such thing
2: (laughs) they'll go to to one extreme like euphoria literally i love zendaya so much that if she asked me to chuck my body into the hudson i'd do it but (laughs) same like love her to death truly but that show my goodness i feel 90 years old because i'm like is this what kids are doing now like that show, like 13 Reasons Why, I'm like, oh, my God, someone saved the teens. Like, yeah. they're going
1: through it. There's so. this, like, move to being like, actually, it turned out teens had these deep inner lives the whole time. And they do. But, I mean, I look but at what don't. I. they don't. <laughs> I mean, even the idea, I remember thinking like where I went to college was the end all be all of my whole life. And you know, everything in my whole life was like, where are you going to go to college? And if you don't go to the right one, you're just going to be chopped liver on the sidewalk. And then you get to college and then it turns out you got to graduate. And then you graduate and it turns out you gotta get a job. And then by after three years, you almost stop putting where you went to college on your resume. It like almost is irrelevant, but uh, For 18 years in this country, you're really told like, this is the most important decision you could ever make. (laughs) It's going to make
2: or break you.
1: The other thing I hate about high school movies is is I don't believe in prom.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You don't observe.
1: The obsession with prom, I don't know how to explain this to the teens because I know because of COVID, a lot of kids missed out on their prom and I don't know how to be like, it does not matter the rest of your life could be prom if you want the minute you graduate high school what is prom but putting on a fancy dress and like drinking wine coolers with your friends the minute you graduate high school you can do that every day of your life until you die you could die a hundred years old and wear a cocktail dress and then have vodka seltzers you could do it every day you can dance every night of your life if you want it's not a big deal. It's like prom is the best night of your life until you graduate high school. And then it becomes like the least fun night of your life. Every mm-hmm. night of your life could be fun when you go to college. Every night is prom, basically. Every prom, night is prom.
2: Prom tore apart my friend group. That's how like much it was a big deal to us. Because we couldn't decide on where we wanted to go to dinner before prom. That sounds right. <laughs> and I agree with you. Prom and I, my heart goes out because I was a 2020 like college grad. So I guess oh, like – yeah the disappointment I get the disappointment I really do and like it's Mm -hmm. hard it was hard for my friends who had graduated a year before me to be like graduation like really does suck like you're just sitting out in the sun but I was like but I wanted the option of like yeah going through that shitty experience so I I get it but prom truly does not fucking matter
1: Mm. I mean again when you're 18 where you eat for prom, it seems so freaking important <laughs> that it's worth losing friends over. And that is the magic that needs to be caught by a high school movie, not like the trauma of existentialism and if you will ever fit in. Like There's- You'll figure it out later. <laughs> yeah, like
2: I promise you as soon as you get to college, you'll probably have sex with some film guy and all of those, pro- he will put those problems into you. So
0: I went to college, a virgin, and this other kid that I was friends with, Alex, um, I won't say a last name, even though we love to say first and last names on this podcast. He messaged me over the summer before college and like tried to like virgin pact with me to be like, if we don't lose our virginities by the end of the summer, do you want to have sex so that we don't go to college virgins? And I was like,
1: No. Oh. <laughs> I uh, love that enthusiasm, but no. <laughs> Do you have any final moments in the book that you yeah, loved what or were your favorite? Right. anything you call into question? I really loved the Prince story. Like it
2: was just so, oh gosh, that was so fun to, to, I just, I love celebrities like mingling with each other. Cause I just assume because I watch way too much TV and film. I'm like, oh if two celebrities did a movie together. They're best friends or like, Oh, if uh, two celebrities aren't in a movie together, they don't know each other. So like to hear stories like that, where it's just like all of these people that are major names, all like co-mingling and like, that's like how they low key, like how Gabrielle and Dwayne low key met and everything like just I love that type of stuff.
1: I will say I was confused because these Prince parties were so exclusive. You had to be on the list. If you didn't get the text, you didn't get to go. And yet... Dwayne Ray- Wade's brother Donnie got to go. I just can't imagine anyone named Donnie gets to go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was like working there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, you can come, but you need to serve drinks. Okay? <laughs>
1: yeah. You can pass an app. <laughs> Honestly, if
2: that was how I got an invite to a Prince party, I'd be like, that's fine.
1: <laughs> I, I almost would rather it. I'd rather just like observe to try and mingle with every. A-level celebrity in Hollywood at once would make me anxious. I would rather go in and just pour drinks and like get my bearings. (laughs) Literally. Oh my
0: God. I'd be like, I'd bring my own coasters from home. Just let me come.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bobby, thank you so much for joining us. This was such a fun chat. I am so excited to sit down. I love your content. Again, if you guys aren't following her, she's the afternoon special on everything. She is incredibly informative and has a very soothing voice. So I mean... 10 out of 10 excellent (laughs) excellent video audio content
0: (laughs) Uh, truly excellent
1: thank you
2: thank you this was this was so much fun i love chatting about all things pop culture dating whatever but this was so much fun thank you guys for having me thanks